Well, let me invite you to grab your copy of the Bible, whether it's electronic or hard copy, to Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four. While you're turning there, you know, as Americans, really even as humans, we're really people that are seeking out what's next. We're looking for something better. We're looking for, for the best. Remember as a kid, when I was growing up, I always wanted to have a car. What if I could get a car? Finally, one day in high school, I, I got a car. It was a 1984 Nissan Sentra. Actually, it was called a Datsun, if you remember that time. 1984, little brown two-door car with a hundred and some odd thousand miles, but it was my first car. And I always thought, man, if I could just have a car, I would have arrived. Joy, contentment. Maybe you know the story. You get the car, you enjoy it for a while, and then all of a sudden you start looking around and you think, this is not a very nice car. If I just had a nicer car, then I'd be fulfilled and content and happy. And maybe you think about in this modern day and age, it really comes back to technology. Feels like every day you turn around, if you get a phone, there's a new phone that's come out. And people always ask you, hey, what phone do you have? Do you have, ooh, you only have a seven? Oh my goodness, right? And so that's, the world turns in, it's always having the next thing. We're looking for the best thing. I find it ironic. About a month ago, Thanksgiving, we hit pause on life. And we take a day and we talk about how much we're thankful what God's given us and just what a blessing it is. And then later that night or early the next morning, we go back out on search for the next best thing. Instantly, we're so thankful. And then we turn around and go, I gotta find the next thing. Now, maybe it's a gift for somebody, not saying it's wrong to shop for the deal and the discount, but really we are people that are bent towards searching for the next thing. A lack of contentment is really a challenge that maybe many of us, many of us face. Maybe even coming into the new year, Maybe you've been thinking as you've set some goals, maybe it's if I just could get fill in the blank, then I would be fulfilled. Then I would be happy, satisfied if I just could get this thing, have that boyfriend or girlfriend, have that home, that car, that job, that prestige, that promotion, whatever it is, we think that's gonna fulfill us. In reality, if we ever attain it, we find out it's left us empty. And this morning in Hebrews chapter four, we're gonna look at three really simple verses. But what we're gonna find out is that Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Whatever you're looking for, if you find it, it won't fulfill you like Jesus will fulfill you. It won't satisfy you like Jesus will. So we're gonna look at Hebrews chapter four, verse 14 through 16. I'm gonna read these three verses here to get us started this morning. I'm reading from the ESV translation, and it says this, since then we have a great high priest who is passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray together. Father, we pray this morning as we open your word, Lord, we just call on your spirit to come and invade our hearts. Lord, would your truth sink into our hearts this morning 
and begin to transform us from the inside. Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to move in power and authority today of moving us towards your son, Jesus. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now maybe in your Bible, in my Bible, there's a little heading at the beginning of verse 14. It says, Jesus, the great high priest. Now we don't have, we don't have a high priest today. That's not common language. It's really referring to the Old Testament. And I think I'm gonna give us a really brief overview. I think for us to really grasp the greatness of Jesus in this text this morning, we need to pause and to have just a real basic understanding that God set up the priesthood to give people access to God because people and humanity's sins have separated us from God. So the priest would regularly make sacrifices on behalf of the people as sort of a temporary covering. The priest would work in the temple, but there was the priest and then there was the high priest. High priest was really the religious leader, the spiritual leader for all of Israel, but was the greatest person of authority in all of Israel. Now the high priest was the mediator. Their main responsibility was to represent the nation of Israel before God. So that was their main responsibility. They would serve in the temple at times, but their main responsibility was to do that. And then one day a year, there was this special day for the high priest. It's called the day of atonement. And the high priest had a responsibility that no one else could fulfill. No one else on the face of the planet could go into the special place in the temple called the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God resided. And the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies one day a year to offer a sacrifice on behalf of the people and the people's sins. It was such a holy place that no one could go in there so the high priest would go through various things to get himself spiritually prepared and purified to go into the presence of God Almighty. But even to the point that they would tie a rope around his ankle because if something was to go south in there and he had a heart attack or he wasn't pure before the Lord and he dropped dead, nobody was gonna go in and get him. So they had a, a rope tied around his ankle to pull him back. You can only imagine the high priest every year getting ready, has that moment right before he goes in and they go in and tie around his ankle kind of look at him and say, good luck. I'm going in there, buddy. And off he goes to represent the people of God before the presence of God as only the high priest could do. Now today in this text, we're gonna see that Jesus is better than any religious system, than any person and that he is the great high priest. Look with me in verse 14. It says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We're gonna see one, that Jesus is the superior high priest. There was only one high priest in all of Israel. And Jesus says he is superior to that individual, tells us the author of Hebrews. Now, when you dig into the text here, this idea that he's the great high priest, the word is actually mega. He's the mega high priest. Mega being huge, great, the intensification that Jesus is the peak, the greatest authority, power, and influence. They viewed that was the role of the high priest. And here, this text has explained to us that Jesus far surpasses the role of the high priest, that Jesus passed through the heavens, which means Jesus left heaven, came to earth, 
Not surrendering his divinity while continuing to be God took on humanity, a new experience to join with his creation. I don't know if any of you have ever watched this TV show, Undercover Boss. It's been on for about 10 years now. I think it just hit its 10th season. And the premise of Undercover Boss is you have a high ranking corporate executive with a really fancy office, with a fancy glass window view, high rise, overlooking some beautiful view. And this high ranking corporate executive leaves the comfortable office to take an entry level job in his same company to get a real world experience to what it's like to work and to be an employee of his own business. And he begins to feel, what is it like to be an employee? What do the employees think of this business? And so the the storyline basically continues to unpack that this boss has laid down his fame and prestige and has taken on a new role for a season to feel what it's really like to be an employee of his company in an entry level role. In a really small way, that's kind of like what Jesus has done. He didn't surrender who he is, but he took on to join his creation. He came here to join us to have a new experience. He humbled himself to join us, to feel what life is like with us. The God of the universe left heaven, literally, to pursue you. The God of the universe left heaven, passed through the heavens to pursue you and to pursue me, to not leave us in the state of brokenness that we are in, that he didn't have to do. He did that pursuing us. Let me read to you in Hebrews chapter 10, what it says here. It says, and every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. That was the priest's job. Keep doing sacrifice day after day, which is a very temporary covering. Verse 12, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Put yourself in the shoe of a priest in that day and age. Every day was like Groundhog Day. They would wake up, go to the temple and offer sacrifices after sacrifices after sacrifices after sacrifices. Day after day after day. Thousands of sacrifices after thousands of sacrifices. You can almost imagine the priest thinking, there's gotta be a better way to do this. We're not really accomplishing a whole lot here. We just keep doing this over and over and over. And it really doesn't feel like much is being accomplished. What's the point? What are we accomplishing? I don't know if you've ever worked at a job that was very repetitive. Maybe you had a job that was kind of just the same thing over and over. And at some point you start to go, what's the point? There's gotta be a better way to do this. That's what the priests were feeling. There's gotta be a better way to do this. Is there a more efficient system? Do we have to do this every day? Do we have to do this this often? And that's when Jesus enters the scene as the great high priest. See, Jesus enters the scene, one sacrifice, one time for all people, for all of time, because Jesus' sacrifice is enough. But I hope you caught it in the text there. It says that Jesus then went and sat down. 
That makes sense. You've come into worship today and you came in and then you sat down. But there's a whole lot more unpacked in that than you just coming in and sitting down and then Jesus sacrificing and then sitting down. Jesus didn't sit down out of exhaustion. Jesus didn't sit down because he needed a break. He sat down making a statement to you and to me that it's finished, it's done, it's over, I've completed it. You see, the priest made sacrifices every day in the temple. And you know, in that section of the temple where they made sacrifices, there was no chairs. You know why there were no chairs in that section of the temple? Because the priest had no reason to sit down because the priests were never done. Because immediately when they would offer a sacrifice, the sins of the people keep on taking place, continue taking place. And so the priest had to keep on making sacrifices, sacrifice after sacrifice. They could never sit down. But when Jesus showed up on the scene and offered one sacrifice for one time and he finished it, he went and he sat down because he says to you and to me, it's done, it's over. You don't have to perform anymore. You don't have to perform or pursue it. It's completely over. Only the high priest could go before the presence of God Almighty. But when Jesus showed up, he opened the door for all of us to go before the presence of God Almighty. I mean, you think about that for for this year, the God of the universe is pursuing a relationship with you and he passed through the heavens. And he passed through the heavens to come and to make a sacrifice because he's pursuing you. I just encourage you, The God of the universe is not up in heaven going through all of this, wagging his finger at you as an angry father saying, you've just screwed up. You have just messed up. I'm so disappointed. No, he's pursuing you. He's running after you. He's calling out to you to run towards him as well. The God of the universe wants 2021 to be the year that you and him have an intimate, real, close relationship. That's what he desires. Maybe this has been a year for you that's been a tough year. Maybe it's been a year of loneliness, maybe a year of depression, maybe a year of of isolation. But just know that Jesus said that he loves you and he cares you, but then he showed it. He displayed it. He's a whole lot better than most of us in the room that are all talk and no action. Jesus is talk with even greater action. So we see in this text in verse 14 that Jesus is the superior high priest. But look with me in verse 15. So it really gets to Jesus with us. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Which if you flip that around, it means we do have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. When you dig into this word sympathize, it's talking that Jesus has these feelings, these emotions. He gets your weaknesses because remember, he passed through the heavens and he came here. Typically superiors and almighty don't really sympathize with those in entry level positions. I don't know, maybe you've walked through something in your life that's tragic, very difficult, very challenging time in your life. And maybe there's been those that love to offer their counsel, their encouragement, but they have no clue what you're walking through. Usually that lands on ears that aren't quite as receptive. But when you share with someone something that you've walked through that's heavy, that's difficult, and they can say, I've been there where you are. I've walked in those shoes. You're gonna make it. 
Let me, t- let me share you some counsel, some encouragement, some, some wisdom. Let me offer some things to you through this journey. Man, that's so encouraging. And here in this text, it says, Jesus gets your weaknesses. He gets it. We have a king of the universe that gets what you're walking through. He feels it. He sympathizes. He has emotions towards it. He was tired. Jesus was hungry. Jesus was lonely. He was misunderstood. He experienced disappointment. The aches and pains of life were real for Jesus. Sometimes we think nobody understands our aches and pains of life. So every one of us in this room and online have got completely different stories. But regardless of your story, regardless of what you're at in your life and what you're struggling through, just know that Jesus gets it. Jesus feels it with you. He is the great high priest. He is supreme, yet tenderly and caringly, he cares for you. That's incredible. The God of the universe has sympathy towards your weaknesses because he feels it. Look at me in verse 15 in the second half. Not only that, but it says, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus went through every respect, aspect, type of temptation that you struggle with. Yet he was without sin. He experienced almost all that humanity has to offer Jesus being fully man, except one of the few things he didn't experience was sin because he's the sinless savior. He didn't experience sin, but he experienced the weight and the continual nature of temptation continuing to take place. For 33 years, Jesus lived here and he experienced every type of temptation. Now, sure, he wasn't tempted to have road rage because he wasn't driving a car, but he was tempted to lose his attitude. Yeah, he wasn't tempted to, to spout off on social media, but he sure was tempted to say some pretty disrespectful and inappropriate things at times. He was tempted for 33 years. Now, we have an example at the beginning of his ministry where he pulls away into the wilderness and Satan comes to him and offers specific temptations that Jesus has to fight through. But I don't know about you, it's easy to think, yeah, Jesus only was tempted three times and he passed the test. No, Jesus was here for 33 years. Day after day, he was tempted. Week after week, he was tempted. Moment by moment, month after month, tempted and continued to fight the temptation. Jesus did not yield. This Jesus that we know is not removed from your life. He's right in the middle of it. He gets it. He feels it. He knows it. In Hebrews chapter two, verse 17 and 18 says this. These are beautiful words. Therefore, he being Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people to offer forgiveness. To look in verse 18. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. I don't know about you, but I know me. I know I'm tempted and I fail and fall often. But here the scripture says, because Jesus passed through the heavens, because Jesus came, he sympathizes with your weaknesses. He gets it. He was tempted in every respect, every type of temptation that you struggle with. Jesus is like, yep, I battled it too. 
And Jesus had victory. And the Jesus that had victory, his Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you to give you that same victory. He wants to give you victory over those things in your life in 2021. C.S. Lewis had this to say about Jesus in battling temptation. He said, only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes, that's probably like most of us. Temptation hits, we give in. He simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later because Jesus was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows to the full what temptation means. Jesus battled temptation. He struggled, but he never let it win. It never got a hold of him. I mean, you think about that. Think about your life. Think about what you battle and you walk through. The temptations as they come, Maybe you resist it once, resist it twice and resist it three times, but usually the temptation continues to come. And at some point, many times we finally give in. Oh, I did so good for a day or a week or a month. Then I give in, but the Jesus that we know and love battled those temptations day after day after day. And he resisted them fully God, yet fully man feeling what we're walking through feeling the challenge of what we are walking through. He withstood the full depth and force of temptation and yet he overcame it. And then we say we can't overcome it ever. Yet the same God is inside each of us giving us power. John MacArthur, a pastor in California had to say this. He said, Jesus never sinned but he understands sin better than any man. He has seen it more clearly and fought it more diligently than any of us could ever be able to do. Jesus stared it down day after day and he fought it. And now he's saying the same God that fought that temptation day after day has residence inside of you to give you victory. Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses and he feels our temptations. He's not a disconnected God that's just up in heaven with some unrealistic expectations. He's walked in our shoes. He's been there. He's done that. He's got the t-shirt. He can say, hashtag, the struggle is real. I think that's very old school, but you know, I'm an older guy, so I'm living in what's hip and old school, right? But he can say that. So let me ask you about this. What about 2021 for you? What about 2021 for you? Maybe there's things in your life that have gotten a hold of your life in 2020. I know this was a year that a lot of bad habits were developed because of changes in rhythm and routine. And the change in rhythm and routine for many of us probably have developed some bad habits. I know my wife and I have been having these conversations about what a unique year it's been and we've gotten out of some rhythms of some things as a family and routines because it's been such a unique year, bad habits can be formed that you have to kind of recalibrate. So what about you and the temptations you're battling with in your life? In Hebrews, it says, each of us have the sin which so easily entangles. For each of us, that's different. We all have different vices in our life. We're all coming from different backgrounds and a different story. 
But what's going to happen in 2021 that you're going to call on the God of the universe to give you victory over that area? Or is it going to be January 3, 2022, and you're the same person battling the same thing and have yet to surrender it and fight the battle? Jesus understands and wants to give you the victory. So what are you gonna do this year? What's your steps? What's your action plan? What are you gonna do in 2021? It's gonna look different that at the end of 2021, you're gonna look more like Jesus because the Holy Spirit of God has been working in you. And you know, that doesn't just happen by happenstance. It takes diligence. It takes discipline. It takes intentionality. The God of the universe sympathizes with your weaknesses. When you say nobody understands, Jesus does. He doesn't get it. No, he gets it. He feels it. But he's calling us to surrender to him, to lay it down to him. Because in this room like this and online, you know what I'm talking about in your life. I don't know what it is. And you don't know what it's like in my life. But each of us here are walking through things that we need to surrender and lay down at the foot of Jesus and call upon the Holy Spirit to do his work that we can't do by reading the latest self-help magazine or self-help blog or Twitter post or whatever it is that only the God of the universe can do. So what action are you gonna take in 2021 so that you can say at the end of this year, I look more like Jesus now than I did 363 days ago. What's it gonna be? Now you can take that idea and you can do nothing with it. Or you can begin to put some practical, tangible steps in your life. There's probably some things in your life that you've known you need to do. Maybe there's some things in your life that you know you need to put some safe rails, safeguards on your phone. But I don't wanna, that'd be awkward, that'd be weird. Embrace the awkward for the sake of sanctification. Embrace the weird for the sake of following after Jesus, instead of what will people think? If that's what it takes, embrace the awkward so that you can follow after Jesus and take away some of those temptations. Because some of us in the room are putting ourselves in places of temptation and we could actually just eliminate some of those just by making some different decisions. The God of the universe wants to transform you in 2021. And he's got his spirit is taking up residence in you if you're a follower of Jesus and just surrender that to him, run to him, call out to him, make him your refuge. So in these simple verses, we've seen two things that Jesus is the superior high priest, but he's the sympathizing high priest. He gets it. He feels it. He's in the thick of our world. But here's the third thing. Jesus is the saving high priest. He's the saving high priest. Look at me in verse 16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. When you dig into that word confidence, it says a bold frankness that you and I can come before the God of the world with boldness, with frankness, with honesty, with clarity. He's actually inviting us. He's inviting the broken, the frail, the weak, the struggling to come to him 
boldly because of the blood of Jesus, not because of who we are, not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, but solely because of the person of Jesus. I remember years ago, I was in like ninth grade, eighth, ninth, 10th grade. I had the opportunity to go meet Troy Aikman. If you know who he is, quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And at this point, he had just like a month earlier won his first Super Bowl. Little did we know he would win two more. And I've got this opportunity, me and many other people, to meet Troy Aikman. Just a month ago had won his first Super Bowl, Super Bowl winning quarterback. And I remember, man, I went with a few of my friends to meet him and we had to wait in line. There were security guards everywhere waiting in this long line. And I'm gonna have this one moment to meet a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Oh, it's gonna be awesome. And I'm gonna say something so profound that's gonna cause Troy Aikman to be like, who's this kid, you know? Man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow his mind. And I'm in line, I'm thinking what I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say something profound. And he's signing people's autographs. And I'm like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get Troy Aikman. It's amazing, I'm nervous, I'm intimidated. I'm about to be in the presence of a Super Bowl winning quarterback. This is amazing. And I slide up there as a little kid and I hand him this card I want him to sign. And, and I got this great line, I'm gonna say, it's gonna be amazing. And I don't know what happened. I just choked and I was like, good job winning the Super Bowl. And I slid my little card across and he barely glances up, you know, like he's signing stuff. He just kind of half gives me just a piece of his left eye, kind of looks up, signs it, slides it off. And I'm like, Scott, you're such an idiot. You blew it. You had one chance. You're in the presence of a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You have a chance to make your mark in history. You're going to do something incredible and you blow it. I blow it because I only got one shot, one chance, one moment. But in this text, we have the God of the universe who says he's way more available and accessible than some Super Bowl winning quarterback. Yet he's the God of the universe. And he says to you and to me, let us then with confidence draw near, draw near, close, intimate, tight, together with the God of the universe is inviting you to him. If you want to make much of the cross of Jesus this year, come boldly to the throne. Because every time you come to God Almighty in prayer and boldly to the throne based off the blood of Jesus, you're making much of the cross because you're acknowledging the power of his death, burial, and resurrection. You want to make much of Jesus? Then come before him boldly. And when you come before him boldly, we're making much of Jesus, acknowledging the power of what's taken place on the cross of his death, burial, resurrection, the forgiveness that he's given us, the hope that he's given us. We can make much of Jesus this year by living out verse 16, coming boldly to the throne of grace. When we come boldly to the throne of the grace, the second half of verse 16, it says, this is what we'll find. Look at me in verse 16. We come boldly to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Now, I don't know about you, but I know I need mercy. <laughs> I need grace in my time of need. Scott Odom can't do it on his own. That's an epic failure. Ask my family, they know all about Scott Odom on his own strength. That's an epic failure. 
But here the text says, when we come boldly to the throne of grace, here's what we'll receive. We're not gonna receive a, a lashing or a whipping. We're gonna receive mercy. We're gonna receive, we're gonna receive grace to help in your time of need. We don't even know what our time of need is or what's coming. We don't know when the phone's gonna ring this afternoon, what news is gonna happen unexpectedly. But if we'll come boldly to the throne of God, we'll find mercy and grace. You know, mercy is, is not getting what we really deserve. What we really deserve is an eternity separated from God. Remember as a, as a parent and continuing to parent our kids when they were younger, you would have escalating disciplines when they would get in trouble and there would be talk to them and you slap their hand and you put them in timeout. And then sometimes it would reach the great crescendo of the spanking moment. And I pride myself, feel like I'm a pretty good spanker. And, uh, but there would be moments, not often, but moments sometimes where I would be having a conversation with my child explaining, you're about to get a spanking and here's what you've done to earn this. Do you understand that? Yes, dad, tears and emotion. But sometimes I would take the, we used a little wooden spoon. I would take the spoon and I would set it down and I would take their little head and I'd turn their head right towards me. And I'd say, what you deserve is you deserve a spanking. But in this moment, as your father, I'm gonna have mercy on you. And what you deserve is a spanking, but I'm gonna put the spoon down and I'm gonna hug you and I'm gonna let you go on your way. And that's called mercy. What you deserve, you're not getting. And the scripture says, when we come to his throne, boldly to him, based off the blood of Jesus, we'll find that mercy, not getting what we deserve. But also the text here says, we're gonna find grace. And grace is receiving what you've not earned. So not only do we not get what we deserve, praise God, but he could have just left us there of not getting what we earned. But then he turns and he says, now I'm gonna actually bestow on you blessings. I'm gonna give you grace upon grace that you don't deserve, that you haven't earned. There's nothing special in you. I can't look to your talents, your skills, your gifts, your abilities that has earned this grace just in the kindness and the goodness and the favor of God. He says, I'm gonna give you grace. And I don't know what more we need in 2021 than the mercy of God and the grace of God. I just encourage you, don't let today go by and miss the mercy and the grace that God is offering to you to help in your time of need, solely based off the power of Jesus, Jesus.